This episode of the Trek Geeks podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash trekgeeks. And you'll find over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or any MP3 player. Hi, this is Kat Roberts, Lieutenant Elizabeth Palmer on Star Trek Continues, and you are listening to the Trek Geeks podcast with Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. little show this side of the North Pole. Greetings and welcome everyone to Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast. I'm your co-host Bill Smith and joining me as he does every single episode is a man who doesn't want to be an elf. He just wants to be a dentist. He's the toy making challenge Dan Davidson. Dan, welcome aboard buddy and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, but I'll never fit in. (laughs) Thanks, man. That's Always so, a pleasure to be here with you. That's so true. You will never fit in. I just I want you to know that right now. You, that is, I am Hermie. <laughs> is he Hermie or Herbie? Because I think it changes in the it, in the movie. I think it does. I think you're, I think I've brought that up a couple of times. My nephew's nickname is Hermie because when he was in uh, National Guard or whatever he was in Air National Guard or something, everybody thought that he looked like him. So he called. That's his nickname now. Little shout out to CJ on this holiday season. Well, CJ, congratulations to you and your bicuspids, buddy. <laughs> Dan, today we're going to change things up a little bit. You know, it's the holiday season, regardless of what holiday you celebrate. And there are all kinds of great holiday movies to watch. But, you know, forget Die Hard, the ultimate Christmas movie. Forget A Christmas Story. Forget <laughs> It's a Wonderful Life. We're going to talk about the best possible holiday movie of all time. Isn't that right? We are, and it it goes without saying, it is right up there. Number one, drum roll. Let's hear it, because it is Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. What other holiday movie (laughs) would you watch at this point? I I don't think, I think at this point we can take holiday movie out of any other movie ever. Yeah. And when when it's time for the holidays and it's time to watch movies, Star Trek II needs to be on everywhere. White Christmas? I'm sorry, Bing Crosby was a hack. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh yes star trek 2 the wrath of Khan. um what more can i mean we can spend four or five episodes talking about the movie but we're going to uh focus in on a couple things here today we and, are uh, and we're going to have some help doing it oh help is an understatement i would think uh he is a genius he is he is the living encyclopedia he is I'm trying to think of what character in Trek we could call him because he is that uh, M5 computer, maybe. <laughs> so wait, he's going to take control and 
<laughs> and go after other podcasts? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, but he's going to try. He's our good friend, Larry Nemechek. Um, he is gracious enough to come on board to talk about Star Trek II and other things, which uh, was was interesting to hear from him. Uh, it's a great conversation for this it, holiday season. It really is. We're going to talk about Larry's Portal 47, which is an exciting offering that he's got going on. You know, you ever if you ever wanted to 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 get some of Larry's knowledge sort of in one place, this really is the place to do it. And it sounds like a phenomenal, phenomenal product. Uh, we're going to talk Star Trek two, so a lot of behind the scenes type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And this is part one of our Wreath of Khan episode. <laughs> so for now, sit back and enjoy this discussion on the greatest holiday movie of all time. <laughs> Without question. <laughs> We have a return guest. Larry Nemechek is joining us um, to talk about a whole variety of things here on this special Wreath of Khan episode. Uh, Larry, welcome back. <laughs> it's great to have you on. Uh, hey, guys. It, was, it feels like only yesterday that we, uh, that we last talked to you. Oh, wait, it was only a couple of weeks ago because we got to have dinner with you when we were in Georgia down at Star Trek Continues. Oh, just, you know, that, at the world's greatest Applebee's. Yes. <laughs> Once again. Yeah. See, but you know what I mean, right? It's, I do. It's the world's greatest Applebee's because it's the only thing left to go drink at after 11 <laughs> in a town with a major production studio, obviously. <laughs> That's right. No, um, we're coming up on the holidays, and, uh, and um, it seems only fitting that we bring you on. We want to hear all of your latest updates on, uh, on special projects that you're working on. Really? Absolutely. <laughs> hey, that's what Bill told me to say. I'm just reading. The oh, cards. okay. Just read the few cards. Just read the cards. No, I should say no. It was great to see you guys again in um, in Kingsland. It's a continued shoot, and I'm glad. I'm glad you got to come down and got to spend so much time. And I know you've been getting a lot of good, got a lot of good stuff out of out of your days there. As did I. That I'll have up at Trekland soon. But um, yeah, but thanks for having me on. And uh, I. I've been, you know, for four, five, six years here, it's people keep saying, uh, you know, you really should take all the stuff that you have and do that's different from a lot of other people or most people in Trek and uh, you should do something with it. You know, like you should make a little money on it. You should like put some food on the table. And it's like, okay, great. And how can I do that? So this last year or two has been kind of an interesting way of trying to find something that people enjoy and want and I enjoy doing. And, and there's some, you know, way to have a audience and a, and a clientele and everybody's happy and feels like they're getting what they want. And I'm getting something out of it. And, uh, and, and you know, so everything's adding to it. So, so seeing you guys in Kingsland and getting to do a little bit of my documenting there and staying in touch with the guys that I work with there and staying consultant with continues. Um, I have some actual pictures of me actually consulting in this last shoot that are going to come out soon. Nice, so. Awesome. So look, it's a consulting pose. It's, <laughs> it's like, it's like it's just it looks just like a director, except that they're like holding less books in your hand or something. I don't know. I don't know. whatever. <laughs> anyway, but the, but the, thanks for having me on. It was good to see you again and uh, and and that. So yeah. So this holiday. So what that was a long winded wind up into. Um, this is I actually had a Cyber Monday special this year in Trekland, and uh, I think by the time you guys are hearing this, people will still hear it. That um, Portal Forty Seven 
which is my really cool out of the box, unique um, fan experience. It's like I sat around for years and said, and I told you guys about this before that like, what can I do to get my, my, you know, my hard archives and my brain memories and the people that I know that I know fans have never heard from before. Mm-hmm. Uh, what can I do to get all that out there? And so portal 47 is this whole package of things. And uh, we talk about taking deep dives through the portal, but it's everything from online group calls with guests and then with me to, to uh, discounts on other things and to live events at the big cons or wherever I am where people are. So you can, it's portal47.net uh, is where you can read all about it. But what I decided to do for Cyber Monday was do a special where if you signed up and subscribed, basically, um, si- subscribe to the package of things every month, that uh, I'd throw in a 13th month for free, a bonus 13th month, and um, I have a stack of call sheets, actual call sheets from Enterprise Voyager and DS9. So it was like if you got in by Cyber Monday, you got a 13th month free and you got a, um, a call sheet. Very cool. So, yeah. So, and I've got, and we had a lot of people jump on for that, which is like, oh my God, this is the way commerce works. This is amazing. <laughs> In 2015. So, uh, yeah, without a, so without this big army, like I said, my big army of marketers behind me, just, just my one man band. But I, I, I enjoyed that. So here's the thing. So you guys are hearing this Sunday. Well, why yak on about this? Well, I extended it another week. So you guys hearing this, and I'll just, I'll be honest with you. If you're readers, if you're readers. (laughs) We don't don't know how to read. Yeah, we can. (laughs) (laughs) When they tear themselves away from the website and actually click the button to listen, uh, your listeners can, I'm going to extend that just for you guys and a few other select audiences. If you happen to hear the sound of my voice, if you get on by by the uh, end of... um, the end of December, you know, the holidays, uh, I'll go ahead and honor all that. Oh, wow. That's I'm awesome. Fun. So Thank the public, you. the public page will say that it ends on the seventh or whatever, mm-hmm. but for you wow. guys listening in, I'll do that. Oh, that's fantastic. Larry, just write me a note. Yeah. So that, yeah. And then, and then, and then for like, you want a stocking stuffer, I've got the Trek, this year's Trekline on speaker CD. Well, I've got number two and number three also, but those are up there too for something smaller. And then uh, I did a blog post where I was also talking about, uh, you know, the Trek tours next year, which is kind of a higher ticket, <laughs> but it's still there. If you're looking to blow, have a big blowout for the 50th, like a lot of people are. And then also um, a little $20 enterprise in space virtual crew membership is another thing you can give as a gift for people. And uh, yep. they can be part of enterprise in space.org or nonprofit, you know, mm-hmm. uh, over to human uh, projects, uh, student projects, <laughs> human, and a few alien, <laughs> alien projects will be included because we're broad-minded. Um, By the time we get to Vegas next summer, are you going to have a voice left after having done that giant Trek tour? You've all, you've noticed that. No, I, yeah, I did the math on the calendar and since we're adding a San Francisco, I'm going to be talking like two straight weeks by the time Vegas ends. So wow. we'll see. We'll see. Tim and Lisa, who you met at Continues, yep. a few years ago, introduced me to this recipe called The Cure. Because one night in that crappy masquerade bar, when you're like not used to it, I say crappy, crappy uh, acoustics. One night of trying to talk normally, a normal bar is one thing, but when you're like in this aircraft hangar of a barn, <laughs> your voice is shot after just three or four hours and they're trying to talk. And um, yeah. They have a recipe called the cure, which is several things blended up together. And I, and I, there's a video online of me doing it. It continues the second time I played McCoy to save my voice. 
and it works. So I may be hitting you. I may be bottling and selling the cure. <laughs> we, uh, we may be taking you up on it. Yes. <laughs> we may actually try doing something monumentally stupid or brilliant, depending on how you feel about this. And we or may both. actually try to record while in the masquerade bar. So that people can wow. get the experience who are not there. We're kind of working it out. You know, it'll probably be a, a short thing. It'll probably be more, you know, a listener interactive. It might be a panel discussion with some other podcasters, but we're still kind of ironing it out. Well, panel as in the chairs keep moving around. Yeah, no doubt. People keep bumping into you. And uh, wow, well, I just, that's an amazing idea. I just have your wheels updated before you try it. And, uh, <laughs> well, thank goodness they don't do the show in the sky anymore for Mardi Gras at the Rio because that would really. Oh, God. I, I, yeah, that was the, because we were all over there trying to have our takeover. We took over the hotel party, you know, at Masquerade kind of thing. Yeah. And then it would still be the normal tourists walking through. And when that damn thing would go off, people would all stand there with their, it's like Okies when the tornado comes through and they all go on their porch, <laughs> you know, and go, well, can you see it? I mean, that's what a tornado warning is. Hurry, you're going to miss it if you don't go to your porch and watch it go by. And that's like what this was. I can say that because, you know, I've got red dirt in my veins. <laughs> but it's like people would stand there and look up and go, oh, and people are all like, you know. Like then somebody, a pickpocket could run through that, that corridor and grab everybody's pocket and start looking up at the, these boats would be on a track hanging from the ceiling on this two story, you know, open air, two story area. Yeah. And it's, it's like, God, even Disney wouldn't try something this goofy, but <laughs> uh, yeah, thank God that went away because it used to like stop everybody who, if people that are in Vegas just to see the latest, you know, tacky thing going by. And we'd, and we'd all be trying to like get from one side to the other, or we're trying to, anyway, yeah, it was horrible to compete with. You, at least you won't have that to deal with on your death-defying uh, live podcast from Master. Wait, no, we we may revisit that plan because we've got about what two hundred and forty days or whatever it is. Something like so, that. We could like be talked out about. We could be talked out of it at any point. I'm sure. Oh no 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 no! You've said you put it out there. It's oh. it's hanging in the ether. It's right, got. We're dragging. Go. We're dragging you in, man. We're gonna find <laughs> oh. you. And pull you over. <laughs> <laughs> I I have a feeling I'll be it'll be a big pile to throw me on. <laughs> so you got Portal Forty Seven going. You got the the new volumes of a Trek Land on speaker. You're talking about Trek tours. You are just a a veritable gift bonanza at the holidays. <laughs> well, that's 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 kind of you to say that. No, it it is. It's I guess my my entrepreneur coach would be very proud of me or whatever. But um, no, we've had a lot of people come aboard the last few days, and it's just a matter of me. Like you know, if I was more on top of things, I would have had press releases all sent out to all the formal places. So I've been yeah. you know asking people to get the word out, but it hasn't been near as much of a machine uh, as it could be. And of course, if it was more machine, then it wouldn't be me and it wouldn't be Portal 4 set. But right. um, it's one of those things that I'm just determined to grow. It's been several years in the making in my head and just the last few months out to the world. So it's, you know, our, um, our Gig Nation tours, which is, you know, Terrace Cassidy's company. But the first two years we offered that um, was, it was just, we had just the minimum and then the minimum. And now this next year, partly because of it's the 50th and everybody's going crazy. Right. Um, you know, it's, I can't let the 50th go by and not, you know, like blow my whole lot on Star Trek somehow. <laughs> um, every it's, we've got like 50% more people than uh, we've had so far. So, wow. So I'm, I'm confident that portal four, you know, it's just kind of a thing of getting it out there. And uh, I'm going to have some, I'm going to, I need to put a video up on the homepage. 
to cut. Because the biggest thing about Portal 47 is you have to, it's, it's like everything else I do. I can't just come up with this clean cut one sentence. You know, I can say, hey, it's your insider's access to savvier fandom. And people go, that's great. Now, what does that mean? <laughs> and <laughs> it's like you go from zero to 60 on the, here's the wordage. So, um, right. so it's better, but it's easier to talk. I can talk to people and say what's going on. Because uh, it's, I really am pioneering. So I don't want to be like weird about it, like Charles Lindbergh or something. But I, I really am um, pioneering here something that doesn't exist in any pop culture thing, I think, much less Star Trek. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's a combination of a hands-on personal touch and also some commercial things and some, but the, the biggest thing is just getting people something beyond the same old, same old of their fandom. Right. That's it. Right. That's it. Which just happens to be everything that I want to bring out and normal interviews and normal me interviewing or being interviewed or, you know, whatever it's just kind of, whether it's a podcast or a magazine or a book, it's just a drip, drip, drip. And I just want to, you know, and right. have a live touch, even if it's over the internet and then do a live touch. We can do a live touch. Nice. I think it'll be great because it kind of, you kind of remind me a little bit of Sloan in Deep Space Nine and his last appearance. There is so much information <laughs> in Whoa, that just... nobody will ever see unless you bring it out to everybody. <laughs> so unless we can travel inside my evil mind. Intersection with Fantastic Voyage here. We got to get on the CMDF. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. Oh, this is podcasting gold. It really is. More like fool's gold there, guys. <laughs> that would be Bill. There would be yeah. gold in them, thar nebula, not coffee. Yeah. Uh, I'd sign me up for the coffee. Coffee. <laughs> Coconut coffee. Anyway. Uh-huh. Um, so, one of the other things that you're working on, Larry, that I'm very interested in and looking forward to seeing is the Con of Wrath. Well, so am I. And um, I've been I've been doing a lot more studying on it lately and, and catching up on stuff. And it's really fascinating and wanted to see what kind of updates you have for that. Um, you're still fundraising, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah. It, the fu- I started working on Connor Rath. This is going to sound crazy. In 2010, 2011. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have any other big projects going on. I was trying to get my way to this is before Star Trek Continues happened. Couple of years, it's before I really bore down to work on um, on uh, on Portal Forty Seven. Obviously, it was that was in my head for three or four or five years, and it was driving me crazy that I wasn't working on it. So it's just been the last year here that I've borne down and and been working on the portal. But um, I was doing you know writing gigs and things along, and um, I really did that because a I had wanted to get into media and not just be a word guy. And B, the timing just happened right where I met people and this, the idea sparked. Um, and we're talking about my documentary about a real-life event that happened, the, the Star Trek's first big mega event <laughs> that did not quite go the way it was supposed to happen <laughs> um, in Houston, Texas in June of 82, two weeks after Star Trek II opened, um, and involved all the people from that cast, except for Leonard Nimoy, although it did at the end, and then it didn't. So... Interesting. Just one, of, just one of the many twists of this crazy thing, and the fact that it was my—I was a kid, and it was like my first big road trip with some buddies and my little brother to go to. Yeah. So I even had a personal stake, but it—it um, it was always designed. The project was always designed to be kind of a weekend project. I wasn't trying to get it done, and I, I would love—you know—I never had the funding in the machine to come in and do six months. In fact, guys, I have. <laughs> okay, so like Rod Roddenberry looked at me when I was telling him about all this, and he goes, "That's great, Larry. Just." 
just don't take eight years. <laughs> well, no. Meaning the way Czech Nation did. He was being right. deprecating there. And I laughed. And it's been about five, so hopefully we're not going to break Rod's record here. But I always intended it to be like a shade tree, you know, like a weekend project, because I don't have, a, you know, a machine behind me. And what I started to say was, when I started this, I knew a guy in Ohio, more back out your way kind of-ish, um, <coughs> who had was, he was trying to do a lot of ambitious things with science fiction, and, uh, and he had a pilot. He was with people who were wanting to develop ideas and didn't you know, know people in Hollywood, and they were trying to do programs and shows and movies and a lot of groundbreaking stuff. And Jesus, this was um, – well – he, he says, hey, I just found out this new thing I just heard about called Kickstarter. And I said, oh, what's that? It's, like, it's a thing online. They have a whole platform and you can like raise money and they have a, you know, they have a, a template for doing it. That's, oh, okay. And so he, like I, there were a couple people that told me about, this was 2011. Mm-hmm. I mean, the whole world we live in of crowdfunding with Indiegogo and Kickstarter has all just oh, been yeah. like, it's all just been four to five years. I mean, because yeah. when he first told me, if you look at my rewards, I didn't do that, but I, cause it was going to be multi-year, but there's PayPal. So people can feel trust, you know, trusted. Yep. There's a whole little lineup of things there to, to, to go to. And then I do my live, I do my Dr. Trek show at conventions as a fundraiser. And I've had a billion people do little $20 donations, which is great. And they'll all have their names in the credits at the end. But um, you know, the levels that I did were his takeoffs of his original idea from 2011 you know, so everything is like a baby step back then. I mean, no one knew what this was or anything. It's like, oh, great. I've been doing this show, this project so long that I was, you know, there before Kickstarter was blown, was cool, much less before it was over cool and blown out. But um, so there's crowdfunding attached to it. But yeah, so, so I always had it in mind just to kind of go along. And, uh, but this year we're coming down. It's like, okay, 2016, I was trying to wrap it up for the 50th. I'm probably not going to catch that because we've still got a few people to get here in Southern California. Uh, but almost all the celebrities are, are chased down. Um, so Walter and George and Michelle and Wendy Doohan, Jimmy's widow. And uh, for anybody that ever read Starlog, uh, Carrie O'Quinn. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Is, um, yep, is in, because he was the MC of the talk show part of the show show. Um, oh, okay. On the revolving stage. So, yeah, so that's, that's kind of, we're trying to bring it in for a landing here in the next year. And wrap it up. But I've still got awesome. some people. I did. I interviewed a guy uh, in Atlanta who came down on his own dime to be interviewed um, during the continued shoot. Oh, wow. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I, I just did him in, in the hotel room, in my motel room. Hotel. Hotel. Wow. Um, and was great. And then he went over and he got a little five-minute tour of... <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, so anyway, so we just had a trip to Houston, and there's one major domo that's had health issues that I've, I've got to go back to Houston and get here in a, in a few more months. But uh, a f- couple more celebrity names, and then some people back up in the Northeast that I want to try to get to, and then some people around Southern California. But, uh, but my editor and I are going to try to sit down. It's just a skeleton group. We're going to try to sit down and uh, start at least I've got one group of people that want to see a sample. So maybe something cool will happen with that, but we got to yeah. go down and get hard nosed. And Oh, and I should say, uh, aside from um, donating your little $20 to people uh, on the, you know, people on the PayPal page at conofrath.com, uh, I'm using volunteer transcribers and it's just like taking a little low res clip of one of my sit down interviews. It could be, 
20, 40, 60 minutes or something and and doing a transcription for a credit. Oh. My eternal thanks. And um, maybe something cool by the time we get done. And I've had, a, I've had a, you know, I've had maybe dozen, dozen and a half people do that. And a few of them have done one. And a few have done, um, like I've got, had one woman that's done like seven. So if anybody out there uh, is interested in that, just get me Larry at LarryNimitschek.com if you want to see a little piece of our history here and do a trans, you know, it's just do a word document from mm-hmm. watching a little simple video file. So anyway, awesome. so that's kind of, that's where, that's where Connor Rath is. So originally I was trying to get out in time for the anniversary. That's not going to happen now, although we're going to, we're going to get serious in the spring about finally getting some stuff edited and put together. Uh, and also like Adam Nimoy's documentary is coming out. Right. Julie Nimoy's documentary is coming out. There'll probably at least another one. It's going to get crowded on the documentaries. So either, yeah. Continuing that 2016 50th anniversary love into the fall or maybe the spring because the next summer will be the 35th anniversary of Connor Rath and oh, wow. and, Rath and the Rath of Con. So at yeah. least by then. So that's kind of our end in time is uh, our, wow. end time. our end target is is June of 2017 at the latest. Well, I'm looking forward uh, to seeing my name in the credit. I'll be uh, contributing to that um, this week and I will oh, volunteer right now awesome. to do some of that transcribing for you. So you just send something my way. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. You 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 plunged over the edge. edge. <laughs> <laughs> Be happy to do it. Okay, that's awesome. Well, thank you. And it's no, like a lot of people have done it. It's uh, I, I, you know, it's not for everybody. Some people have tried, and I always say, if if this gets, if it's like you suddenly realize that it's actually a little bit of work or something, or it's too weird or whatever, or life gets in mm-hmm. the way. And I've had some people have to say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But, you know, and that's cool. That's totally cool. I'm asking people to volunteer in return for, you know, credit and, and the volunteer. And, but a lot of people have thanked me and they're like, this is so cool. Thank you for, thank you for um, letting me have a, like a peek inside. So, yeah, it's, you know, that's part of the reason I want to do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh, at least he's very transparent about it. <laughs> I was very open about it. What, a, what a kind of a peeper he is. So yeah. uh, to know Dan is to love Dan is to know him. <laughs> So, (laughs) and I do, and I do, and I do, and I do. do. So, this could be a whole new feature of the Trek Geeks podcast. Larry Nemechek sings. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever you want it, the podcast to go away, it'll be the number one feature on the docket. Maybe we'll drop that when we do. uh, We start the Love Boat podcast with John Champion. Oh, oh, John, oh, John! <laughs> what did what did he do for the Love Boat podcast? Oh well, he's he was joking about it one time. Yeah, they talk about on Mission Log how at some point they're going to just keep doing podcasts for other shows. Oh right, right, right. Throughout Love Boat, and we told him we'd do that with him. <laughs> so it wasn't that long ago that I doctored up an album cover for the Love Boat podcast. Oh, I called it yes. Lido Deck. I see that. Yeah. <laughs> so someday we can dream. I, I have this running joke about doing the Green Acres podcast sometimes. So you know. <laughs> that would be awesome. If not the Northern Exposure podcast. But, you know, there we go. So, Wrath of Khan, since that's why we're convening today, it's our holiday yeah, episode. Yeah. What a transition there from the Khan yeah. of Wrath into the Wrath. <laughs> well, it's, it's natural. So, it occurs to me that Wrath of Khan is probably the most loved movie among Trek fans. We all cite it as our number one. It's a fantastic film. It tells a great story. But as I consider it now, I think that certainly Nick Meyer brought a more militaristic view of Starfleet. Mm -hmm. 
And that's kind of an anathema to what most Trek fans complain about as far as the JJ movies go, how they're not Gene's vision, his stereotypical or prototypical vision. And is that, shouldn't I have thought of this 30 years ago? I mean, (laughs) what's wrong with you? I know, right? Wrath of Khan (laughs) holds up amazingly well, but does it hold up because Nick Meyer sort of skewed the vision a little bit and made it a little less Gene and a little more Nick? Well, that's going to happen anytime, anytime somebody else comes in and, and takes, takes, takes charge. I sorry, take over, not take over, but you know, creatively, sure. you only have one, one number one creative vision. Otherwise something becomes muddled and a, you know, then you have a mess, you have a committee meet a movie. And, you know, if you go back and think about what was going on, if you think about what was going on in 82 or ish. So here's, so the motion picture comes out. Not Gene's fault, but they they took all the budget that had been used on Phase Two, the series, and the you know all the writers had been paid for all those failed movie scripts and that they, or, or weren't accepted, and then the building that they did, the costumes and the sets, and the writers commissioned for Phase Two, and then they went back, and then all the stuff they did spend on motion picture, and then when they got rid of uh, when they changed the visual effects guy, and this is pre ILM, so it's still a Hollywood is still visual effects houses all over the place yeah and and you know magic cam here and all these different places and it's a whole you know canoodle of different people working on visual effects and when they got so far and they had to you know fire uh robert abel and and come back with a new assignment of people the 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 tally the bill just went sky high plus they lumped all those earlier iterations into it so fairly or unfairly they got stuck with this huge caught you know the cost thing. And even then 10 years of pin up the whole reason for Star Trek fandom was to come back. So there, even people were like falling asleep in act three, they were seeing it four and five and six times. And it did a huge, you know, huge, huge box off. It wasn't until the JJ movies that a movie surpassed the motion pictures box office. Right. But still people were kind of going, were disappointed and they didn't quite know why and all that. So here's Paramount. And of course, Harv Bennett would tell the story about, uh, Bluthorn, who was a Gulf and Westerns that owned Paramount then, you know, saying, you know, Mr. Bennett, can you make a movie for cheaper than 150 million? And he's like, Mr. Bennett, Mr. Bluthorn, I can make five movies for 150 million. Because they actually started off doing Wrath of Khan. What became Wrath of Khan was like done, going to be like a glorified TV movie ish. They were doing it so on the cheap. Huh. I don't mean on the cheap, but they were, they were like trying to lower costs. And not just be, you know, the great epic movie that had to compete with Star Wars in 2001 and everything, Close Encounters. Um, and then it, it was like the little movie that could because it like just blossomed into this thing. And of course, you know, it started off with such a horrible pedigree when they, they had five different writers and Nick Meyer just goes in and did a rewrite with Bennett and didn't even take script credit or he couldn't take script credit until years later. They said, you know, I really like took the best pieces of five pieces and put them together. And, and that's where the script came from. So, um that's it's a little bit like yesterday's enterprise on next generation it's amazing that that's now the the bar that everybody looks to for movies for trek movies when it started off such a such a bastard beginning and so you know so but at the same time part of the fallout from motion picture was bennett and you know hard bennett and uh you know rest in peace and um and nick meyer that he brought in uh were in the driver's seat because gene had been demoted so there was this whole, you know, political, emotional turf thing here about, well, now it's kind of like, well, we don't want to like fire Gene and piss off all the fans that mm-hmm. after 10, 15 years of Gene being the Messiah and it's his vision. 
But as a practical studio thing, rightly or wrongly, I think, you know, Gene did have some maybe issues about being a producer leader kind of thing. But at the same time, a lot of stuff, there was so much politics in this movie. Everybody had a thumb in it. It was supposed to be the great, you know, the great white hope answer to Star Wars kind of a thing. So, and Close Encounters. And, you know, that, that we've got to have a sci-fi movie to compete with Star Wars. Everybody's got to do one or we lose face as a studio, you know. So there was all that writing on it. But the bottom line was he was, so here's Gene trying to find his own way. And the well, how am I still the head of Star? You know, they let him be executive consultant and have script notes, but it was Harv and Nick's baby. And he would talk about that. And so you talk about how Nick made it his own movie. That was going to happen. And he very famously was not a Trek fan. He sat down, Harv wasn't, but he sat down and fans gave him, here, watch these 20 episodes and bang. And that's where he came up with, hey, let's go back and get con and, you know, that was an intriguing oh, okay. thing. So that came out of the list that Interstat people, the people used to read Interstat him. So anyway, so the bottom line is here, there was a lot of stuff going. There was the production end. There was this, how do you manage these, you know, big names and, and keep Star Trek going forward. And then the idea, the fact that it was this little scope that kind of blossomed, like, holy cow, this is going to be an amazing movie. You know, and they, uh, and then you got Leonard going. No, I don't want to do a show. I don't want to do it. I'll only do it if I can be killed. <laughs> they kill him off. The movie is so much greater than wow. anything. The the fans get wind of that, and there's this whole. You talk about the we hate Enterprise, we hate Next Gen, we hate the all access CBS plan. There was the we hate. You cannot kill off Spock. If you kill off Spock. We, no, this is the thing. We yeah. are marketing people who are also yeah. fans, and we organize this. We've taken a survey, and your your licensing and your movie box office and your merchandise will fall off forty seven percent if you kill Spock off because it will depress fandom and kill Star Trek as a franchise. Yada yada yada. And they were like, "Oh my god!" And this all like blew up on them before they were in their regular roll out the movie mode. And then in the middle of all this, they go, you know, Leonard goes, "Oh, well, maybe I'll stick around this after all." <laughs> turned out like pretty good yeah so let's do that little thing. so you all that crazy stuff is happening i mean this was really like you know it was really like a pivotal it's like forget the motion picture being a pivotal moment in trick like the wrath of khan was almost like and then back around so wow. that's going so so yeah so me sitting there watching the wrath of khan when the first time they said admiral on the bridge i was like well where did that come from that was i mean yes <laughs> It didn't ruin my enjoyment of the movie, but you could not help but see these little militaristic touches or, or navalistic touches. And right. that's one thing that, that, that happened. Nick Meyer totally got the hornblower thing, and it was a happy accident. And that's one thing I think Gene enjoyed about it. But that meant, you know, the look of the uniforms and all that, that they, re they read it and got out of the pajamas. But um, so, yeah, so those militaristic touches, definitely. And it was the 80s, and Reagan was president, and yep. we were invading Grenada, right. and, you know, the Vietnam oh my God, we messed up feeling was starting to fade a little bit and Reagan was going to, yeah. you know, go do whatever. And um, that was all going on. So that's all in the mix of it. And yeah, it definitely, I mean, I don't know how many fans felt it big time, but I sure felt that big time. That's the thing that always stood out to me was the militaristic view was the uniforms. I mean, the uniforms in the original oh, series weren't really The brass uniforms. and the, yeah. The pajamas and the original, and the first picture, this was a real military uniform, and that always stood out to me the most as being what, yeah. what Bill brought up. Braid here, braid there, pins here, pins there. Yep. You know, like, if, did, how, how did they let any red show through without having it covered <laughs> up with metal? You know? That's right. Yeah. Larry, I got one question. You were talking about something, and it kind of made me think for a second. 
Oh no, not that. that it's a group, and it happens every once in a while. But <laughs> a group of people gave them episodes to watch, and they picked Khan out of watching those episodes. Did they ever, to your knowledge, were there any other possible characters that they were going to use from TOS instead of Khan? Or was it always Khan? Right I don't know. I should go back and, well, like I said, I say they. It was totally just hard. When Harv Bennett got hired. Well, I mean, the two of them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, before Harv picked out, found Nick. It was Harv in his office. That was Harv and his assistant. Uh, oh, okay. Rose, Rosemary? Boy, that just popped into my head. I don't know. I never met them. I never met her, but um, for some reason that I can hear him talking about it. But no, it was like, here's 1015. Here's the best of the series. Watch these. Here's your crash course. Because he re- Interstat was this little, um, yes, kids, before the internet, <laughs> when everything was on paper and you did everything for the cost of a stamp. It was called a SACI, a self-addressed <laughs> stamped envelope. Um, and before everybody had tapes to even, you know, change around, um, barely, maybe, uh, VHS tapes, uh, people, people in Interstat, there was a little zine where you wrote letters, but it was like, it was like a message board or now a comment thread or a Facebook thread, like slowed down, like, you know, 30 times slower because uh-huh. you would write a letter a month and talk to different people on different points. And it would come out once a month. There was an editor, Terry Meyer, she lived in Kansas City then. And um, people would write, you know, and she would typeset it all or type type it. And a little half size, you know, like a folded sheet of paper folded in half, digest size. And there'd be like, you know, 30 or 40 letters and then three or four columns. And people would write back and forth, and, and they would put the latest news in there. And if you were in the pre-internet days, if you didn't, you know, maybe you'd hear it on Entertainment Tonight, and maybe it would get into a mainstream magazine. But, you know, before the Big Bang Theory era, this was the way to get your leading-edge news really cool, unless you subscribe to the trades mm-hmm. yourself somehow out in Omaha or Oklahoma City or whatever. So he made friends with, when he came in, he was a very smart guy. And ahead of this whole, they fired Gene backlash, he made came out and said, I am, you know, said all the right things. And he meant them. And he was a smart guy. He was a smart producer and said, um, you know, I have been entrusted with doing this. I totally honor Gene. Gene is executive consultant. You know, he, he jumped on top of that before it became an issue. And people are like, well, we're going to all boycott this because it's, they fired Gene. And who's this guy think he is? And I've heard he doesn't even know. You know, so he came out and he said, I really want to help you all out. I really want to do a great movie here that honors Gene. You know, yada, yada, yada. So he came in, yep. uh, you know, got it. He looked around, got in touch with the leaders of fandom at the time, which was really easy to do back in the pre-internet days. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so he, yeah, so we had a relationship with them and some of the readers and they basically sent him lists of what shows to watch. He sat down, had a marathon, you know, and they were probably custom one inch tapes then because VHS wasn't really that big yeah. yet. And, and of right. all the things he watched, the, he said the the conch, the ending of Space Seed jumped jumped out at him as the oh my god, this is crying out for a sequel. Yep. And I don't awesome. know about any other ones that that were in there. I mean, now that I think, I mean, if you go down the list of like Tribbles or City on the Edge yeah. or you know the Gorn Arena, yeah. Well, there's some. There are some like you know Journey to Babel's is crying out for who the little gold guys were, but. Um, <laughs> Oopaloopas. <laughs> yeah. So sorry, long way around there to get back to that. But um 
Yeah, but that was totally him going, let's do this. Then, of course, now, see, I, I know he probably had to have a backup because you always have a back, you always have a plan B and C. Mm-hmm. And, and then it was like, well, if we don't get Ricardo Mondebar, like, we, let's, let's investigate a few things. It's like when I was doing Con of Wrath, it was kind of like, well, I need Harv and Walter Koenig to at least talk. And if, one of, if neither one of them will talk, if at least one of them will say, yes, I'll do it, then I'm doing this. And when they both said yes, then, you know, but you, so you have little conditional things that you know in your head you've got to do. So had, had Ricardo Monoban not been available or not been well or not had the chops anymore, would they have still done this one? I don't know. I didn't get it. Maybe I've asked him that and it's, or maybe it's buried in an interview somewhere right off. But, um, but yeah. Interesting. I've always heard that Gene didn't like the end result of what became Star Trek II, the Wrath of Khan on the screen. Do you know if that's true or not? I see. Yeah, I think all the way through the movies, uh, put yourself in Gene's shoes, and they were big shoes, physically and, <laughs> physically, and literally. Yeah. <laughs> um, physically and literally, that made no sense. Physically, literally, and uh, metaphorically. Um, again, he had been, you know, basically demoted, but he had to save face, and he had to be the face and the guru and the vision, the Roddenberry vision thing of of star trek and still feel you know uh and they still were doing you know lincoln enterprises or now roddenberry.com was still going they were still selling product they had a vested financial interest and a vested emotional a vested spiritual interest in star trek doing well it's kind of like when you love your team and they hire a horrible coach or manager kind of thing <laughs> or, or something i don't know i don't know maybe that's the best analogy but so so he was pulling for star trek but at the same time he was you know as a producer facing aging he's trying to hang on to you know just pure the hollywood power of this thing and not lose face in the hollywood community or or oh my god they're going to find out that it was all you know uh, the emperor had no clothes from this from this little show that died now that has the biggest comeback following in history and it's famous for that and then it's comeback movie was yeah as hard Bennett would say um and now, right, you know, what's going to, what's, what, where is all this? It's all like murky and, you know, in flux. So on one hand, he wants it to do well. On the other hand, he does emotionally care a lot about his creation. On the other hand, Gene has had arguments with people. And it's all, you know, sometimes the collaboration has been a better thing than what Gene may have said, you know, out of the box. <laughs> Go back to the first couple of years of Next Generation. And that's, you know, okay, right. his, his, his health is going down a little bit by then. But right. so basically overall, Gene was all, uh, all these movies, he would approach them all guardedly, you know, um, not hoping, you know, abjectly making sure that something ridiculous didn't happen, like the whole character Spock be bastardized, you know, some of the basics of Star Trek not be jerked out of proportion. And there was, there were memos and things going back and forth. A lot of stuff got handled. But yeah, I don't, so I don't think he said like, he'd never said like, don't go see Star Trek 2, it's horrible, you know. Right. But I think I think he was concerned about. I think one of the things that he was glad to do on top of have another chance to do a series with Next Generation and have a chance to you know <laughs> have another income stream come in, but also to go like, hey, the original series was not a fluke. We can do this again, which was what yeah. it was for Bob Justman and some of them. Was to go to maybe pull that back and can we just kind of do a little bit of a restart here on what my vision of Trek in the future should be. Mm-hmm. And so you get back to the simple uniforms and the very, you know, uh, underplayed blank mm-hmm. pips and everything with the next gen yep. and moving forward. So, yeah, so n- not that he's going to scream and yell about it, but he was not happy with some of the 
It was interesting interesting because when I, I was 14, I actually met Gene in Laconia, New Hampshire. He was doing his, you know, his lecture circuit tour right. at the time, and he brought, you know, the old uh, 16 millimeter blooper reels from TOS, and it was right in between Star Trek two and three, and I remember him asking the crowd, "So is everybody here bummed that Spock died at the end of the last movie?" And of course, the whole crowd was like, "You know, yeah, you know," and he's like, "Well, that's right, he's coming back." Spoiler <laughs> <laughs> like, alert. And how close is how close was this? Like, where between eighty two and eighty four was this? Yeah, this was probably eighty three. Okay, I I, I want to say mid eighty three. Were you aware of them shooting, or was this like before they were even shooting? Uh, I, I, that's a great question. I'm not entirely certain, um, but I, I remember being you know thirteen, fourteen years old at the time, going, "Oh, okay, well that'll be cool." If it was summer, well, if it was summer movie, they were probably filming in the fall. They had a script coming together. I'm just thinking off the top of my head without looking at dates. Yeah. So yeah. So I mean, it was much, very much had been the plan. Decided to, to well, they they'd already known that when they shot the footage at the end of two. Yeah. When they went up to Golden oh, Gate true. and shot the coffin. So right. yeah. Um, it just always struck me as funny that he's like, yeah, he's coming back. It's like, let's just take the mystery away. You guys want Spock to be back. <laughs> well, but see, but, but think of the time, though. Here, yeah. he, you're in Laconia, New Hampshire. How big yep. was the audience live there? Uh, maybe 400 people. Okay, so by the time one of you went, oh, my God, Gene just said this. This is exciting. I'm going to run right out and I, okay, wait, I can't tweet it. I can't put it on Facebook. Uh, I can't email it to anybody. Okay, if I write it in a letter and send it, if I call the next fan that I know that seems to have a lot of information, I'll tell them. Well, by the time he called them, they turned around and called the next biggest fan off they knew, and then they called the next person they knew who might have had a typewriter and a Mimeo. Oh, my God. So <laughs> it's gone through five people. The word might get out to a 1,000 people. I mean, you know what I'm saying is – He's kind of banking on the fact that that's not going to go overnight and ruin the next movie, you know. But it, if and if it's out there in the ether, you know, it's like the the internet has, I don't know, has has like taken our old, uh, you know, the telephone. What's the thing you do in speech class? You know, telephone. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One, one it starts on one end, and the person tells it. How different is the story at the end from the right. first person who heard it? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like that's part of it. So it's like let's keep this fuzzy, and let, you know, there's a lot of power in the rumor mill whether it's typed out online or whether it's the old fashioned kind that just, you know, so he's, he's well aware that he's not going to subtract any dollars from the box office. So spoiler alert. It's like, that's the slowest motion spoiler. Oh yeah. Well, you know, I went campaign. home and told my mom, you know, and I'm like, mom, <laughs> I just saw the guy who created star Trek. He says that Mr. Spock is going to come back and my hand to the great bird of the galaxy. She looks at me and says, Dr. Spark. <laughs> my mom is not a trek fan uh, that's okay that's okay lots of, you still i saw a news thing the other day where they said the guy you know a crazy guy said whoever the little doofus host was the you know newscast anchor <laughs> said dr spock or something i'm yeah. like really no. in 2015 yeah. no. it's the benjamin spock the baby doctor dr spock he's like he's been dead <laughs> for 20 years or whatever it's like that's not even around to be a confusing thing anymore how is that even I got a tough question for you now. This is a complicated one, and it's probably one that uh, you've never heard before. Okay. Since, since we're talking Wrath of Khan, <clears throat> we all have our favorites of everything. What was your favorite moment of the movie? Oh, my gosh. And what was your least favorite moment of the movie? Oh, 
least favorite because i have this in other movies i can I, like in six i can tell you right off my least favorite parts of six um wow <laughs> I, I okay this is a first ladies and gentlemen Dr. Trek himself. Hold on, hold on. Don't jump to conclusions. Don't no, jump. No, no, no. I'll talk, I'll talk my way through it and not be speechless. <laughs> what do you mean? Can I talk myself off the ledge here? Um, <laughs> wow. Well, I'm trying to – I'm sure one of my favorite moments was a McCoy moment. Ah, yes. Okay, here's the weird thing. I, this is the great days when if you went to see it on opening night – the novelization would have been out like probably a week before right. you could, you could totally go spoil the movie. Of course yep. there'd be added scenes and they yep. would have, you know, uh, yep. di- uh, uh, whoever was doing the novelization, I started to say Diane Dwayne, but that's not it. Vonda McIntyre. Vonda McIntyre. Yeah. Uh, would, would have been padding it out with her own scenes plus script scenes that got filmed and cut and all that stuff. But I do remember reading. I remember where I was sitting when I was reading the novelization before I saw the movie and read Kirk saying of all the souls I've encountered, his was the most human mm-hmm. and tearing up when I read it before I even saw it on wow. screen, yep. which was a bit of a spoiler, but you know, Oh, well, the big picture things. Uh, and it wasn't even a coy bit. Um, um, well, one of my things was McCoy and Kirk on the pad and, and him saying, wait, how do we know we're not going to solid rock? And, <laughs> was this your great chance to get away from it all? <laughs> I mean, I just think of lines, and I always get the yeah. movie confused. But the one where they're, uh, where, is it? It's not this one, or is it this one? Where McCoy and Kirk are beaming? Is it Rathacon? They're leaving the bridge to go beam off, and and Spock looks up at Kirk and says, "Jim, be careful." And McCoy's standing right there, like we he's will. He says, "We will." <laughs> is that Rath- That's Rathacon, isn't it? I think so. It's yeah. not motion picture. It's either no. a motion picture or Rathacon. Anyway, I love that because, uh, because A, I just love the moment, and it's yeah. such a McCoy thing. And it's such a me poke. It's like, here's McCoy poking the bubble. And remember, there's other guys in this show besides Kirk and Spock. Remember, remember me? Ha ha. <laughs> but then when I found out later on that that was not scripted, and, and D added that, he said, this would be great for me to say this. Nice. And they all went, yes. So that was like a rare time when D actually was like assertive and. That's and awesome. something in that really added to it. I had no idea. Um, I'm learning this for the first time. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a perfect McCoy line too. Oh, it is. It yeah. is. Yeah. Great. We will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, just off the top of my head, the, some of the little wacky things that, you know, it wasn't a big part of the movie, but like the Admiral, and the, some the militaristic touches with some of them were baked in the cake with the uniforms. It was like constantly a reminder. Yeah. Um, um, the things like the janitor that was like cleaning with like the 23rd, you know, you know, you find out later that Nick Meyer is saying more blinkies, more blinkies <laughs> and the no smoking sign, which aren't in your face when you're watching the movie in the theater the first time, but to just kind of know that they're there, like the no smoking sign in the transporter and <laughs> or on the bridge or whatever, you know, yep. wow, uh, a little wacky stuff, but um, some of those little touches that he may have thought were needed that weren't so much. Um, yeah, wow. Well, I'm sorry. Yeah, 
I'm sorry. I mean, I, those are like some of my 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 things I didn't like are such on a tiny scale. Yeah, well, that's um, true. Also, yeah, yeah. I was I was never a big fan of the scene. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I'm claustrophobic. When they're like, when they beam the regular one, and they're all like stuffed in that cabinet, or there's a couple people stuffed in that cabinet. Oh, check off and trailer. I always hated that scene. It's it just made my skin crawl worse than the SETI eels. That just I just could not stand that scene. Huh? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, Bill. What does this tell us about you, Dan? <laughs> I think I think my favorite moments in that film are probably the discussion around the Genesis device in Kirk's quarters. Mm-hmm. Where Spock starts off with really, Doctor, mm-hmm. you know, that whole stretch into the part where the Reliant attacks the Enterprise. I would watch that on repeat all the time. I would back up the VHS on that and watch that in a loop if I could. Because mm-hmm. that whole segment from start to finish where Scotty brings his nephew up onto the bridge is phenomenal cinema. Yeah. Love it. I would agree. Yeah. My yeah. Least- oh, I, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. My this, least- this is your time. Yeah. My least favorite is a line that Shatner delivers that I've always thought he delivers wrong. And Dan and I have talked about this. Yep. It's when they're in Kirk's quarters in San Francisco at the beginning of the movie and McCoy stops by to give him his birthday present. And Kirk says, you know, Bones, don't mince words. What do you really think? Like he's fretting over what Bones thinks. And I thought it should have been a more sarcastic delivery because at times Kirk does that with Bones. Like, seriously, Bones, you know, don't mince words. What do you really think? Like, you know, just pile on because you're already doing it. And that's, that's it's, one. Nit- well, it's great that you it's great that you said it because that's one of my favorite lines of all time. And I think he is being sarcastic. Because okay. Bones, he's just unloaded on him, and he's sitting and he's kind of staring off, and he's not like looking at him. He's they're all looking into that fireplace. No. I always say it as "Damn it, Bones, tell me what." You, I mean, I always say that when somebody goes off and screams and yells about something, or they go off on a rant and they take a breath finally after five minutes, mm-hmm. and I just go, "Well, damn it, Will, tell me what you really think." You know? <laughs> <laughs> and which I think is what the original intent of the line is. So that's that's always been a favorite line of mine, actually. Now oh, I, and I love the scene. Don't get me wrong. It's just it, I thought that the delivery was just sort of for me for what I expected. A too subtle relationship. Yeah, just a little too subtle. I think coming into it and trying to make a statement after motion picture and sending mm-hmm. characters back to the ones we know. I thought that. You know, maybe if he just touched a little more sarcasm. Of course, I would never say this to Shatner. <laughs> <laughs> I won't even talk. <laughs> I'm well, just you know, the phone anymore. You know the story about the "Here It Comes" line. No. no. So Nick, so they're doing it, and and they're record. They're they're doing it. They've done all the filming. You know, they're on the wreck ship, and it's it's when Khan is demanding they just beam over yeah. Genesis the files or whatever, yeah. and he's and and he's like, okay, 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 okay. We're having you know our systems are crashed. And um, and he says, "Come on, Admiral, come, Admiral." And he says, and but basically, he just looks, and they they hit the whole thing with the real, the the prefix code, which prefix that was code. that was a little bit of a, it was like, oh, the prefix code, like you just invented that for this plot, huh? <laughs> uh, but you get past that, they they have their whole little plot in place. Now that now the audience is on their side, just, oh, this is gonna be so cool with the unleash it. And he, you know, they set it up, and he turns around and sees Khan again, and he says, uh, "Admiral, Admiral, come." He says. Get ready, get ready. And then they did the close-up and he says, here it comes. And of course, it's not a file delivery by energy stream or whatever. It's a photon burst and a phaser blast. Right, yeah. But the thing was, when they shot that, Shatner started off like just totally going, and it's so understated, here it comes, you know. He was like, here it comes. 
And it was, but so after two or three of those, Nick was like going, okay, I just planer, just bring it down, bring it down. After about eight or 10 times, he just gave up. Like he was not getting Shatner down to the tiny little, little, you know, focused. So he just said, he's told this story. He just had him say it over and over again, again. He waited for like Shatner to get tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. And not, I guess he, like, he says he literally took 50 takes of him saying it. Wow. Before they got it down to the focused little, here it comes. But he could not intellectually get him there. So he just, he just wore him out until it came out like that. That's awesome. And that's, that's one of my favorite lines in that whole sequence. Just the, 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 yeah. the low key of it all. Like, all right, here it comes. Yeah, here it comes. It's funny. Bill and I have a lot of discussions about what we like and what we don't like. We always seem to to agree on stuff like this. For me, I have two favorite scenes, and they're both similar. I like the scene in Kirk's apartment because I like the dialogue that between the two of them, especially when McCoy starts really hammering them, like you want to be flying mm-hmm. a goddamn computer console. I love that because – and actually, it's one of the first times that one of the cast of the original series swore. And as a right, teenage right. kid, I'm like, oh my god, he just swore. I just, I, but I love that scene. But I also love the scene with the the first attack of the Reliant on the Enterprise. And the reason I love it as much as I do is because of the musical score that takes place during that. Was, scene. That is fantastic music. That's what I was going to say when I started interrupt uh, a minute ago. No, no, that James Horner score that. Dum, 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 dum. I mean, the motion picture has the original theme. And I guess Ilya's theme a little bit, and the Klingon theme. I always think of the, original, the motion pictures Klingon theme of as being more predominant than like the one from three. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, but but that whole the whole soaring nautical floating hornblower feel that that James Horner brought to it, and all I mean, you you hear those music cues in your head, and you know yes. exactly what's. And after that, the scores kind of just like blend together to me. Right after, but, but, but absolutely, the first, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, that and also they really were able to, you know, the fanboy sci-fi nerd in you. The motion picture was great, and the people make fun of the pod going around. You know, the the, the beauty shot pass. Although oh, I totally got it, I totally I love loved it. that. I I know I it's love like, it. But this, but there, you know, like there was somebody said there were no weapon. The only weapon fired was to blow up a, a wormhole. You know, in the first movie, and this yeah. one there's like you know shoot ups and it's a space battle. You know, quote unquote. So, but seeing they had the budget finally to see the ship get hurt, to see those phaser blasts, those phasers connect, right. and and yep. and have it, and know that they're they're cutting a line along the engineering hull, the secondary yep. hull, and that then they cut inside, and the little cadet engineers are flying everywhere, and things are blowing up, <laughs> and even knowing that, yeah. But it was like, oh my God, they were, they're tin canning the ship. This is insane. This is incredible. <laughs> Sitting there in 82 watching, like, oh my God, they're like actually tearing up the ship. This is incredible. And then it cut in, and they got it right. They're on the real <laughs> But having you see the, the instrumentation of the ship, like, <clears throat> like at an odd angle, that thought was, that was always great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Awesome. Awesome conversation, man. Um, I gotta say, it's it's always good to uh, to have to have you on. This is a special occasion, of course, with the Wreath of Khan episode that we're doing. Hearing about all of your projects, uh, the dozens and dozens it seems that you're always working on. But uh, 
it was it's great to hear about Portal Forty Seven and Ooh, the Connor Wrath and and all the things that you're doing. It's great to see you again. It was awesome to spend time with you down in Georgia, and I hope oh. to God we get to do it again. Absolutely, um, absolutely. Wish you a very happy holiday season, and uh, thanks for joining us again. And we can't thank you enough. Where can we find you, by the way, online, man? Oh, I should say that. Well, the the hub is still LarryNimacek.com. And uh, Twitter is at Larry Nimichek. I tweet a lot. I have Will Rogers in politics and Sooner Football. Boomer Sooner. They're going to be in the <laughs> final four. The final four of football. Um, and, uh, and then Larry Nimichek's Trekland on Facebook. And yep. then there's a Connorvrath.com, Portal47.net. Um, oh, and I should mention, if you're looking for really high-end collectible, really offbeat stuff, I say high-end. I don't mean the Cadillac of stuff, but I mean the really stuff that I like uh, first drafts of scripts and set plans and really quirky stuff, but also very deep. But the Trekland trunk is where I'm slowly putting those things out to. So that's Facebook page. Uh, and, and we have, yeah, there's, they're actually on eBay. And then on Sunday I have a, a live local on Facebook, a little quirky item auction. And we have quirky regulars who come in. <laughs> there's about six or eight people that are kind of interesting. Uh, but it's open for everybody. So just check that out on Facebook, the Trekland trunk and also Twitter. But, um, awesome. but that's, that's kind of the rundown. And I should, I will make a plug for geek nation tours. Oh yeah. And also our enterprise and space.org a nonprofit that I mentioned yes. earlier. And we've talked about before. So, um, uh, so yeah, so I've got the gifts up. Um, if you go to the, uh, I did a blog post at treklineblog.com about what I've got and the Cyber Monday stuff being extended. And again, your listeners, um, if they just wrote me a note, if I see it come in and they say, Hey, I want my the thing you talked about on Trek geeks, then I'll know it's them. Nothing fancy. Just let me know. And I'll, and I'll include that still past, uh, past the seventh through, through the holiday awesome. season. Fantastic. Well, we thank you for that. And, uh, hopefully a bunch of our listeners will take you up on that offer. That's fantastic. Oh, he I'd is Dr. That. Trek. He is Larry Nemechek. Larry, thank you so much for joining us again. And, uh, we will talk to you soon. I hope. Oh yeah, guys. I hope so too. And Merry Christmas and all the best into the new year. All the best. Awesome. So, Bill, I got to say, the best part of that interview, I, Dan Davidson, lowly Trek geek podcast partner, rendered Dr. Trek Larry Nemechik speechless for a good five or ten seconds more than once. <laughs> you really did. And he, um, he di- I will say, he did recover masterfully as only Dr. Trek could. Let's That's be honest. correct. Absolutely. But you know that at some point I'm going to appeal to him for stump the geek questions. <laughs> oh my god! And he's going to remember this, Mister Traffic Cone. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice Vegas reference there. All right. So for those who may not know, uh, oh we god. caught up to Larry in Las Vegas. Uh, he happened to be at his table when we were walking by, and I was off talking to a uh, to somebody else out in the lobby. And Dan texted me. He said, "Dude, you got to get over here. Larry's at his table." So I did, and Dan was wearing his orange Trek geek shirt. And I made reference to the fact that you look like a traffic cone. And I think it was the funniest thing Larry had heard all day. So for the rest of the time we were there, he referred to you as traffic cone. Yeah, that's hilarious. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is a, he's, a, he's a great guy. It was, it was, it was fun uh, speaking to him in Vegas, meeting him finally in person, hanging out with him in Georgia uh, when we visited the Continue set. Um, 
he always has great stories, always has so much information to share. Uh, and he really enjoys sharing that information. And so to have him on today was was a was a little extra Christmas present, I think. I agree. We hope everybody checks out his portal47.net um, and and you know subscribes and 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 get some of that knowledge that Larry has stored in his brain. Because I tell you what, I I know few people that know that much about Star Trek. The man is an oracle. I tell you what. Yes, and yes. plus uh, we'll have all of other, you know, all of Larry's other contact information in the post on TrekGeeks.com. Whether it's Con of Wrath or Enterprise in Space or Trekland or Trekland Trunk, he's everywhere on the internet, man. <laughs> I wish he would find some more things to do. He really doesn't do much. Oh, I know. It's the guy is so <laughs> starved for for a hobby. My God. <laughs> See. <laughs> well, Dan, next week we continue our Wreath of Con special coverage, and. We have another special guest. We do, and and we're very excited about this. Um, uh, we feel that it's a good idea to have these guests on at this special time of year. It was great to talk to Larry. Next week, we are going to bring in another podcaster. We've done it before, but with a different person. Um, we are very, very happy to welcome Ken Ray to the show, who is, uh, as everyone knows, is one of the mellifluous voices on Mission Log. Uh, the official Star Trek podcast. So um, we are pretty excited to have him on. Uh, we're going to talk some more Wrath of Khan because it is a tradition for him to watch this as every human being on the planet should now at Christmas time to watch Star Trek II, the Wrath of Khan. That's correct. So the better half of Mission Log, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast here on Trek Geeks next week to wrap up our Wreath of Khan discussion and probably our last new episodes for 2015. Take that, champion. Take that. <laughs> wow. He's going to hear this, too, I'm sure. I'm, oh, I'm sure. Ken's going to run right over to him. He <laughs> <laughs> said I'm the best. <laughs> well, he is. <laughs> wow. Okay. And that restraining order is going to get renewed for another year. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I think it's going to be a new one for you. Mine's going to be going away because champion's awesome. I'm still sick over what happened with Lido Deck. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so, Dan, uh, how might other people send us some thoughts on their holiday movies, whether it's Wrath of Khan or Die Hard or some other Christmas movie that doesn't measure up to either of those two? Oh, well, okay. Well, uh, on Twitter, Facebook, and Skype, uh, you can send us a message. Uh, our handle is Trek Geeks. You can send us an email at trekgeeks at starfleet.com, or you can give us a call at area code 508-784-1701. If you want to send Bill an individual tweet, his handle is at trekgeekbill. And if you want to send me a message, you can do so at dcdds9. Um, also, as always, Camp Kittimer is now available for you on Facebook. Face, Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, on Facebook, Facebook group, um, come on over there, share your love of Trek, engage in conversation, make some new friends. Uh, the address is facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer, and we will let you right in. It's a lot of fun. We got a lot of people over there, and we're having a good time. Um, also, remember that any comments or messages you leave us uh, in any of these places may be used in a future episode. Back to you, Bill. Would it help you if we just called it the Book of Faces? And s instead of you having to call it Facebook? 
No, because then I'm always going to reference your face. Oh, kind of our tagline. So. Oh man. <clears throat> yeah. Thanks. I walked. Right, I planked right into that one. <laughs> that was just terrible. That was great. We also have to take time to thank our friends in the band Five Year Mission. Uh, this week we've changed up the music a little bit with some holiday spin, with some uh, commonly available tunes, but. Five-Year Mission is still the theme of this podcast, and every other week of the year, they are every ounce of music. So please, please go over to fiveyearmission.net, buy yourself or a loved one a copy of Spock's Brain, because it's the holidays, and we guarantee you're going to love it. Uh, Plus, we hope that in the new year that they will be the house band at the official Star Trek convention in Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, put on by Creation Entertainment. So please... Let creation, let CBS know, let your friends know, let the world know that you want five-year mission back as the house band for STLV 50. So we we truly hope that happens and that you all will make it so. <laughs> I hope that someday I can be as awesome as you. I doubt it could ever happen. Uh, so do I. So for now, that puts a wrapper on episode 41 of Trek Geeks, a Star Trek podcast. We'll be back next week with Wreath of Khan part two. But for now, may you all live long and prosper. Coconut, coconut, coconut in my cup. I'm not as cool as Bill is now, so I'm just going to shut up. That would be a first. exhausted really yeah you're still beautiful though thank you you're beautiful you're beautiful it's true you're you're very loud type (laughs) so is your microphone in the zero position i moved it to zero and i moved it to um regular bass are you, because I'm all about that I face. I was going to say that. <laughs> you son of a... I should probably start recording now, huh? <laughs> uh, no, I'm, I'm capturing the audio from the session, so don't worry about it. Do, we wanna, do you want me to do it just to test it, and I can send it to you, and we'll see how it sounds with the changes? Okay. Yeah, let's do that. All right, I'll do that right now. Let me launch Audacity. Oh, you have the Audacity, sir. Audacity. We are now recording on Audacity. That's beautiful. Although my, yes. level, my level here is not high. Let me change that. You're high. <laughs> Your face is high. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah. So I sent you a chat. I see it. All right. Ugh, we I did watch. Right on we watched a couple Christmas movies last night. The Holiday. Have you ever seen that? No. Very awesome. It's a romance movie. Romance in the holiday time frame. Christmas. It's excellent. Kate Winslet, Cameron Diaz. Uh, are in it. It's really good. It's one of our favorites. And then we started our Christmas story uh, watchings. Very cool. <laughs> yeah. We uh, we just w- made our uh, our giant Toys for Tots donation like we do every year. Yep. So literally, we counted 20 toys, and we actually have two more on the way, which didn't make it before today. Nice. That's awesome, man. My Thanks wife started shopping. Oh, there goes my microphone again. My wife started shopping yes. last year at this time. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah your, mic, your level just went way up. Yeah, it did here too, and I don't quite get why. Huh. All right. All right. Okay. Let's do this a little bit. I'll do that. Yeah. So the Santa we met at Toys R Us in Manchester, where the Marines are collecting yep. the Toys for Tots, did that to his mustache that you just did. Really? The curl? Yeah. It's getting long enough for me to do it. Not many people like it. My friend Grant who usually goes on golf trek that you didn't meet this year. Yep. Normally does that too. Except his is incredibly long like Oh, really? Like I just here. you just spiked up again way high. Yeah, I know. Huh. I All hear right. it. You're a spiker. I don't know why. And I don't know why. I don't know why. All right. I'm going to try changing my audio settings for a second in Okay. June. Do you remember that show, Zoom? Yes, on Channel 2. Yeah. Yep. I do. Is that better right there? You sound, you sound fantastic. Melodic. I think it's um, Zoom automatically adjusts your microphone unless oh. you tell it not to. Okay. Maybe that's part of what was going on for you, too. Yeah, that's possible. Um, where's that setting? Uh, it's in the settings. We go into settings. Mute, mute, set, mute. It's not in the chat window itself. It's in the actual Zoom window that is open on your taskbar, probably. Yeah. I'm going to shut that off. Hey. (laughs) We're getting attacked by the Predator. (laughs) Velociraptors? Where? No, come on. You got to know what it is. The Velociraptors. I do. I just know it gets under your skin when I call it a Velociraptor. (laughs) 